The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret recurring subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com slash bonus and use the promo code MANHORE. Want to check out a hot new sex podcast hosted by some total babes? Check out the Ersties podcast at Ersties-podcast.com or listen wherever you like to listen to your podcast. That's Ersties, E-R-S-T-I-E-S. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all the Slayer Sluts, Metallica Mistresses, and Overkill Cunts. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. You like how I got energy all of a sudden? That's great. I'm so- I know, like three hours into it, all of a sudden you're like energized. Oh yeah, I'm so thrilled to talk to my peoples, man. I am here for you. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Uh, if you are new to my program, this is a podcast where I typically talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, and why we didn't work out. However, this week's special guest is not one of my former flames. No, uh, no. This 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 week, I have got on actress and writer Charlene de Guzman. Um, uh, that's not how you say it. That. Charlene de Guzman, uh, she is the star of a new movie called Unlovable, out in theaters right now. Uh, but before we get to her, everybody, I've got my co-host right now, Matt Slayer. Oh, what's going on, Billy? From the And Now We Drink podcast. We just finished uh, recording a fun bonus episode for all my Patreon members. That's going to come out tomorrow. But for now, what we got, do you know what we got? We don't have chlamydia. We don't have chlamydia. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure I don't. I uh, definitely don't. I get tested regularly. Good for you. Good for you. Well, for now, what we do have, we, we do have some show dates, people, show dates. Woo! Woo! Okay, Connecticut, uh, this Saturday, November 10th, I'm going to be at Comics at Mohegan Sun on the 4 o'clock show. Then New York City, I'm going to be back inside you on November 18th at Comedy Fight Club at Lucky Jack's on the Lower East Side. Going to be doing a, doing a roast battle uh, at 1030. Uh, November 24th in Astoria, Queens, I'll be at QED at 10 p.m. And November 28th, I will be at Much More's in Brooklyn at 630 so uh, come on out to those, and uh, for more on those show dates and others, head on over to manwhorepod.com, sign up for that mailing list. That's how you stay up to date on all the latest Manwhore Podcast news. Remember how I've been in Los Angeles? Yeah, you wouldn't know where I was performing unless you were on that mailing list. Right, right. Matt, Matt looks dumbfounded. You're allowed to speak. It's okay. I am? <clears throat> yeah, you may speak. That's pretty I'm, fucking new. Last night I wasn't allowed to speak. And no, you were not. That was not your role. Now you're a co-host. Oh, my God. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, Matt was also the producer for my live show here in Los Angeles. So he was working the boards, helping me set things up, uh, running some shit so I could focus on just crying. Uh, so, you know, thank you for that. What did you think of the live show? Oh, it was pretty fucking rad, except for you trying to fist fight me in the parking lot. I, uh, don't exaggerate. This isn't your show. <laughs> this, this is an honesty show. Oh, sorry. 
threatened to fist fight me in the parking lot. Uh, just look, you were giving me lights that I did not ask for on stage, right in like interrupting beautiful moments of vulnerability. So like, what do you want from me? Um, but no, but what did you think of the of the show? Seriously, you no, were saying you were watching it from the back. I had a good fucking time with it. It was a fucking amazing show. Yeah. Uh, th- was there anything stand out to you? Because obviously, like your show, very different from mine. Not let, let, let the whole being up on stage with exes aside. Like it's a very different tone. So, like, what what were you uncomfortable seeing so much emotion on stage? No, not at all. Yeah, from a man person, kind of. You're a man person. I, I I'm starting to get less and less comfortable identifying as a man, but. That's for probably another episode one day when I figure this gender thing out. Um, but no, anything stand out to you? Anything, anything in particular interest you? It was very interesting to hear about your failed relationship and that it got to that bad. And I've been there. I have been there with relationships that have failed on my part. I've been a crying mess before, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was. It was raw. It was, and the fact that you were brave enough to. Oh my god, I'm hashtag so brave. <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, so were you trying to give me a compliment? I, I was. I was. Uh, don't worry. When I said do this MP3, it won't be there. Oh no, don't cut. This is my don't you don't this is like last night. You're taking my show into your hands. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was a really it was a really interesting experience. And I, I thank you for you know helping me uh make it happen. It honestly no, doesn't happen to without do so. you. Absolutely happy to do so. I want to do it again. When we do it in San Francisco or anywhere else on the West Coast, we'll make that shit happen. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing it and to putting it out there into the universe. Uh, you also do your own show called uh, "And Now We Drink." You want to tell them a little bit about it? We're a long form conversation show where myself, a guest or two, throw down a bottle, tell some wild stories, or get insulted by Billy for an hour and a half. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and then we also just record a Patreon only bonus episode, didn't we? We did indeed, where I talked about ending up on stage on Showtime. I mean, we talked a bit about you being in porn. We did. I don't want to tell him too many details, but like, yeah, you've been in quite a few porns. I have. And I've had the sex with the porn stars. I have. And then and then we will, they can find out whether or not those two things uh, happened at the same times. <laughs> no, they definitely didn't. I didn't fuck anyone. You, 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 you. you separate the thing i was gonna be like oh cliffhanger you gotta go listen to find out you can find out i didn't bang anyone at avn 2018 well well, more like the fact that the sex with the porn stars weren't happening in the porn but you've been in multiple porns even though you weren't male talent no i have i am best non-sex performer 2018 well nominated for yeah nominated for uh in your in, in everyone's hearts you were the best one um yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a fun bonus show. And to, to talk about how like you even became so porn adjacent in the first place was really fun. So, you know, people, you can get access to that bonus episode and over 100 others when you go to patreon.com slash podcast and uh, become a member at the $5 or higher levels. Um, your money. Yeah, money's good, man. Money, money makes this uh, podcast happen. I'll tell you more about my feelings on that maybe next week. Because uh, I'm still feeling all emotional from Patreon. But you know what I would like to share is, uh, is an email. Got a really nice email from someone. It's kind of a reaction email. I think um, a couple weeks ago I read an anniversary announcement. Uh, a guy said uh, is the anniversary of like the first time this chick blew him in a bar. That's sweet. And they're still together many years later. So I got a subject line is, wow, wow, wow. And uh, it reads, wow, wow, wow. I am the Samantha 
from Tom and Samantha. How shocked was I when I pressed play on this week's episode while shopping at the grocery store and heard Billy say, I have an email here from Buckshot LaFonk, which is his email. Uh, Tom and I are huge fans of the pod. I turned him on to it after being a listener since the beginning. When I met Tom, I'd say he was open sexually, but not very exploratory. But after I introduced him to the pod, it allowed us to have some open and very sex positive conversations, which led to awesome experimentation in the bedroom. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Particularly anal play, which is something that I've always wanted to try on or with a partner, but had not met anyone where we both felt close, very close and comfortable enough to try. So, so on very special occasions, such as our anniversary weekend recently, uh, I got to slip a finger, sometimes two, into my beautiful, handsome man's asshole. That's awesome. But why does it have to wait for an anniversary? Why does she have to say asshole? Why can't she say butt, ass? I don't know. Asshole is just a, such a dirtier word in my mind than the ass because the ass is like the whole backdoor situation, but the hole is like this one little dirty space to me. I don't know. It's fine. Um, but And also that's like his like probably hairy man ass is making me like mildly twitchy. Uh, <laughs> you should say it. Billy is like touching himself, just twitch, twitch. Yeah. Well, he. Uh, she also writes, I hope he doesn't mind me telling you this, but I totally doubt he would. If it's not too much to ask, I'd love if you could share this message on the pod. And then in all in all caps, it says, The Man Whore Podcast has transformed my sex life, and I have met the most amazing man on earth, and it's amazing that we get to bond over the Man Whore Podcast. And I think this is a Ric Flair. Woo! 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 Uh, XOXO, Samantha. Samantha, thank you so much for your email and your very, very kind words. Um, honestly, saying that last part about how the Man Roar Podcast changed your life, that would make a great iTunes review, just saying. Uh, but thank you so much for writing in. And uh, you can send me your comments, your questions, your booby pictures to manwhorepod at gmail.com. You may or may not hear your very own words on this very show. Definitely send them boobs. Yeah, I get yeah the boobs. That's that's its own folder on the on the laptop. It's uh it's a nice. It, I, I'm that much of a narcissist when I'm jerking off. I do like to sometimes just open the folder of the fan boobs and then go through them because I'm like, yeah, all these were sent like just to me. This is great. So what kind of areolas are? The There's a wide variety. I've got a very diverse audience. I'm very proud of that. But when I'm not, when I'm not jerking off to pictures of my fans, which is like you know. Um, somewhat often I am watching good ethical paid for porn on hotmovies.com. Yes. I want to take a moment to thank hot movies for, uh, supporting the man whore podcast and giving me money to, to keep a roof over my head. And, uh, if you're not familiar with hotmovies.com, it's a pay per minute porn site. You buy a bunch of minutes and then you go watch porn, uh, ethically as, uh, when you watch it. Those those time credits kind of trickle down to the production houses, which pay performers, which allow them to keep doing what they're doing. So, you know, hashtag pay for your porn or you know what? Pay for some of your porn at hotmovies.com and you can get 20 free minutes, 20 free minutes, which Matt, for you, I feel like is 20 viewings, right? About does that cover it? No, no. It takes me a while to pop. I'm really jaded. Are you? Yeah. See, when I take long to pop, it's on purpose. I'm just like purposefully holding off until like I can find someone on the internet to tell me to come. So like if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter and you see me, I don't know, saying you up, it means I just want you to like slide in my DMs and be like, Billy, if you're jerking off right now, come. 
See, I gotta and find you have people. permission. Like normally, if you say that to me, I call you creepy. But right now, I'm giving you permission to only if I post something like that in my story or on Twitter, you're allowed to slide in my DMs and just demand that I come because I'm I'm looking for that. Demand he comes right now. Honestly, yeah, it's really hot for me. Like if you want, like just slide in my DMs, you're gonna say like come right now. I'll be like, do you want to watch? And then you can say yes or no. But either way, at least I'll have gotten the order to ejaculate and then I can feel like a good boy like I like I served somebody do you get a treat when you ejaculate it's like so um, it, I get I honestly just get like a good feeling it makes me feel like I, I was useful but again you can go get 20 free minutes at hotmovies.com when you sign up using promo code man also makes me look good not for nothing right yeah uh, before we get to our guest this week Charlene de Guzman uh, it's time for the fan whore appreciation moment Yep, yep. Uh, oops, I forgot it last week. My bad. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a shout out to some of the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is where I sell memberships or their fan club memberships to the Man Whore podcast. And you get access to all sorts of exclusive bonus episodes and secret, private, sex positive uh, discussion groups and communities. Really cool place. I. These are life changers right here, and I want to give them a little bit of acknowledgement. I want to give a shout-out to Natalie Freeman. She is a Peep Show favorite. The Peep Show, of course, are, uh, we have a private... Do you know this? Did I tell you this? No. I don't get invited to any of your reindeer games. Well, No, don't play dumb. I'm just genuinely asking if I, if I no, told you. you. Haven't. Oh, it's like a, we have a kick group. I'm not playing dumb, but Do you know what I'm kick is? <laughs> do you know what kick is? Yeah. Okay, so we have a kick group where if you're in the $10 or up... Uh, level you get access to this kick group where all we do is we just share nudes gifts and compliments so like i could go open it anytime there's gonna be like dicks and boobs and butts and gifts of ryan reynolds and you know it's it's a fun place to be and natalie's a really proud member uh i want to say a shout out to kimberly hedrick thank you so much for your membership uh I looked you up a little bit of a man whore milf I'll have to say that. I I mean that in the sense of like, she is a mother and like, "Mm, girl, what's going on? Uh, Thank you so much for your support. And Michael Coghill, although your membership was short lived, I wish we could be playing like one of those uh, funeral esque, the in memoriam uh, score right now. I just want to have a violin as I say, like, Michael, it was wonderful having you in our club for the brief time that we had you. And I hope uh, you are having fun wherever you've taken your pledge dollars. But hey, man, I'm just happy you showed up. I, that's all I do. I just want all you in the door, even for a moment. And you, too, can become a member for as little as $1 per month and support this show. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. Um, but now for this week's guest, Charlene de Guzman, uh, she is a sex and love addict. Unlike you, uh, it depends who you ask. There's some people very insistent. Otherwise, well, I asked you and you said, no, I no, said, I, you adamantly denied that shit. I don't think I am. I think I like, I love love. I don't believe I am an addict. Um, fine line. Yeah. Well, I think there's a difference between a love addict and then being someone who fought, who like kind of falls in love quickly like who's irresponsible with their emotions uh and i think in my early and mid-20s i definitely was more responsible with my emotions and i would fall in love quickly i would say i love you right away i think i was in love 
not a doctor. I'll take <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to disagree. It's your show, and I'm not a doctor. Like that's two strikes, uh, right? Like, but but Charlene is and uh, is in recovery, and then made a movie. Uh, not no big deal, but uh, produced by Mark Duplass, big fan. Uh, made a movie called Unlovable about her journey. Uh, not a documentary, but loosely based upon her life. Uh, I checked it out. It's got John Hawks, Melissa Leo. Nice. I'll watch anything John Hawks is in. Not for nothing. Like, did you ever see the sessions? I have not. That's where he's like, uh, he's 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 paralyzed, and then Heather Hunt uh, plays a uh, a sex surrogate. I'm all about Melissa Leo. She was on I'm Dying Up Here. Oh, was she? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to check out that movie. Uh, the, show. the show. The show. The Showtime show. Yeah, I've been wanting to check that out. Two seasons of it. She basically played Mitzi Shore. Oh, she would rock that. Not to like, get off topic with other movies when we have someone promoting a movie, but like, these are good people in the movie. So like, check it out. It's in theaters. It's available on streaming uh, by the time you've heard this. Uh, and we had a really interesting conversation. Uh, I... Not for nothing, talked about my gambling addiction. So that was uh, uh, weird and vulnerable because I don't know how much I've talked about that with you people. Uh, and that makes me a little bit nervous. I'll digest that and maybe we'll discuss it next week. I'm not sure. But uh, good conversation with Charlene. I hope you all enjoy it. But before we go and, and bring her in, Matt, Matt, where can people find you? Well, besides your random Hollywood gutter. You can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on. That was a good one, Matt. Doing. God damn it. We're going to start this over. No, 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 no. That stays there. I'm just saying like, yeah, that's not going to that. Okay. You've that cute joke. No. Um, why am I so angry? Why am I being so mean? I don't know. You've been mean to me for like hours now. And I, I just keep taking it like I'm a fucking. I bitch. thought I was over last night. I don't know if like I'm subconsciously you're not, still you're lashing definitely out not over last night. It's fine. Uh, but no, seriously, Matt. I feel can- like I would have been better off just whipping my dick out at you. <laughs> Well, Matt, um, obviously they can go listen to the, and now we, I, I have to like pause between the and and, and now we drink podcast, right? They can indeed. Uh, anywhere they're listening to my show, but they can also find you on the socials. Where at? You can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the podcast itself at, and now we drink on Twitter and now we drink underscore on Instagram because some fucking bitch is camping and now we drink. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, people, go check him out. And if you want to hear his bonus episode exclusively on Patreon, go become a member uh, at the $5 up levels and you get access to that one and oh so many more. But for now, we're going to go and have a little chat with Charlene de Guzman. Um, and if not, the, I'm sure the echo will add to <laughs> whatever's needed. We are just in an ins- I mean, just someone, it looks like someone should be getting fired. This is so huge. I know. (laughs) When I was sitting here, I was like imagining all these scenarios of me as some boss lady with a room full of people. I mean, this, this could go a variety of ways, (laughs) at least like, you know, in my head, at least. (laughs) Um, But it's a good time to say I'm here right now with Charlene de Guzman. Did I say that right? (laughs) Oh man, there's so many syllables. No, you did. That was good. (laughs) Uh, the star and writer of uh, a great movie, Unlovable, I just watched as uh, in theaters now. Yeah, starting today. Yeah, how, how are you feeling about that? Excited and terrified at the same time. Yeah, I didn't realize until probably in the middle of the movie where I was like, this is probably based off true experiences. <laughs> yeah. I think like after a certain level of detail, you go like, that was probably real. Right. Especially, like, and this is your first movie that you like wrote and, yeah. and started, right? Yeah. And so I just was like, ah, that's, yeah, that's probably what happens with the, the first one. Right. Yeah, you just like put it, 
Woo, all out there. I put it all out there, and I actually didn't put it all out there. So I'm excited to continue to tell my story. Yeah? Yeah. There's more story? Oh, so much more. That was like a sliver. <laughs> that was a sliver. How, yeah. like, what per- so the movie's about uh, a woman who is a sex and love addict? Yes. Which I think seems more like the love addict. Sex seemed like way more of a symptom than the Absolutely. addiction. Absolutely. Love addiction was my core thing. Um, and that's just, you know, pursuing unavailable men and then using sex as a tool to get that crumb. That crumb? Yeah. Yeah, that crumb of some kind of validation. Yeah. I mean, that, you, that's like the most vulnerable thing to say is like, hey, I'm an addict. Because uh, when I say it, like, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and to put it out there is like, you know, really fucking vulnerable. It is. It's very vulnerable and it's scary all the time. Um, but the rewards have been pretty fulfilling in terms of like connecting with people who can relate or, you know, helping people get help. Yeah. Well, I, so I have a friend, a uh, friend of the pod, Andrea Allen. She's a fellow comedian, also mm-hmm. an ex of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she's re- she's been going to Sex and Love Addicts, oh, wow. um, for the last several months mm-hmm. or so. And sorry, the Coke Zero getting to me. <laughs> <laughs> she's really, uh, digging it, but now, but now, like, she's trying to be like, you should go too. Uh-huh. I'm like, whoa, let's settle down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I have yeah. a living to make. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm kind of a professional whore. I just, <laughs> Um, and, but she, we were recording an episode a few weeks ago and she made me like read out, like answer like 40 questions. Uh-huh, I did the questions. Is it 40 seems a lot. I said, I think I answered yes to like 38 of them. Wow. Yeah. I think I was like 12. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but like I didn't, I had no barometer because like, so I'm a, I'm a gambling addict, right? And so uh-huh. if you go to GA, uh-huh. um, they make you read these like questions sure. and it's like, they give you a number to say like, if you answer this many. Right you are a compulsive gambler. Yeah. And one, I go like, I don't want to read these. I already know. Okay. I'm here. That's yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like there's no barometer. They don't say like, well, if you answer like 20, right. You know, yes. Right, 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 right. An addict. So I don't know. So <laughs> we got into a debate and then she kept fighting me every time I would say no. She's like, come on, Billy. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> what was, what was that? Like the first time you answered those questions? It was crazy. Cause I felt like I was reading my, my life. Like it was very mind blowing to, I, you know, I saw the list of the characteristics of sex and love addiction. And it was mind blowing to like see my experience written out in a list. Um, but you know, I had a friend that mentioned it to me in 2011 and I tried a few meetings and I thought it was really stupid and that like, Everyone was kind of weird, and I was like, "This is fine. I got it. No. What's the big deal?" And then I came back three years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, so 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 the you so you just dismissed it out because I hey I've done that too. I yeah. go and I'd be like, "Not for me." Because while it's working, it works. So you need to go through some serious desperation to want help. I think it so, takes that bottom of all bottoms. Well, when you first went, did you think you would hit that bottom? And you know, I, I think so. I think at that time I was in a relationship with somebody that I couldn't get out of Mm -hmm. because I was too afraid to be alone and I was like quote in love and obsessed with this guy who doesn't even live in the state and was married and separated and had a girlfriend but like he totally was gonna settle down with you but he was so the one he was the one (laughs) (laughs) but I was like obsessed and in pain over it you Mm -hmm. know so my friend was like, uh, have you heard about this? <laughs> so it was crazy to like read the characteristics and be like, oh, that's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. The part of you like read those questions, be like, did they steal my diary? No, What's seriously, happening? It was mind blowing. It was relieving at the same time too, because it's like, oh, I'm not 
crazy. Like, this is a thing. Did you read them by yourself or like at the meeting? Uh, by myself at home. See, I, that's a more preferable thing. Right. One, with the Sex and Love Addict ones I did on mic. Eh, you know, yeah. there's a fight there. But it, with at GA, they make you do it in front of the group. And I feel like wow. that was the thing that put me off so much. Cause like, that's intense. It's like, look, if I'm here, I know. Right. Like, let me, give, make this be my homework. Let me process this on my own. Yeah. yeah. And they're like those intense questions. That's like the SLAA questions. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And so when you finally went back, there, the, clear there was a different rock bottom. Well, that the only reason I went back is because I was trying to save a relationship. I thought I needed to fix myself really quick to get this guy to like the like the character in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It was like no, no, no. I went to a meeting. No, yeah, so I did good. it. I got help. <laughs> yeah, I'm all was, good now. I love that line. Yeah. You're just, I got help. I went to a meeting. It's fine. It's so good. That's seriously what I thought because I, I I think I I did like even thirty days without contacting my ex, and I was like. Okay, we can get back together now. Mm. And he was like, I don't think we should get back together. But then a few months after that, um, we, it was like the holiday times. And so we got together and hooked up like three nights in a row. And then he ghosted me, which is, you know, expected from this person. Um, but I think even that small amount of recovery had some kind of consciousness where doing that was so fucking painful and fucked me up. And like, I wanted to kill myself and I was going to kill myself because it was awful and I couldn't believe that I was there again. I couldn't, I, I felt like I was never going to be able to fix it. Mm -hmm. Was the, the, the suicidal thoughts, was that based off of the relationship or the, the realization you were an addict? Um, it was actually based off the, the relationship because I just wanted this person to be available to me so bad and he was so unavailable. Um, and, uh, it, I, I didn't realize though that I was an addict till later that day when I couldn't figure out how to kill myself. Like I, I didn't even have like a knife at home that was sharp enough because I was oh, so man. broke. You're and, just like, ah, this won't do. Yeah, and I look, I, I look for pills and I had like three of something. And I was like, that won't do anything. The rope's too short. I didn't even have a rope or anything. The title. There's cages on the windows. It's like, how's a gal got to kill herself here? What, yeah. what do I got to do? So I literally said out loud, where do I even find a bridge? And then he called. And just seeing his name and the picture on the phone, I felt the pain from my body just dissipate immediately like a drug. And I said out loud, that's how I know I'm sick. And mm -hmm. that's when I knew I was an addict. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but like, feel like I don't do drugs. Do you do, you do drugs or ever? Like, would you ever do the? I the definitely things? used to do the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I've never done cocaine or anything mm -hmm. like that. But like, the buzz I get from throwing the dice right. or being at that sure. table uh or honestly getting on stage as, yeah, a, as yeah, a comic yeah, yeah, yeah. which is the only healthy one i feel like right. but it's uh like the buzz in my head i'm like this must be what they feel right and, th and that's like how i at least was, you know was no, able absolutely. That, that that constant i feel like that cycle with my addiction too was like pursuing these unavailable people so like being in that pain and almost being addicted to that pain and longing and not feeling good enough and then getting that hit once they text like one word or like, you know, show some kind of interest for even a second. Like well, that just, high is amazing. When you're just staring at the phone yeah. waiting and then maybe and be like, no, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to stare at the phone. Right. What am I fucking crazy? I'm just put the phone here and open and unlocked and I'm just going to peek in my peripheral vision. Yeah. Um, it's like, that's just And then bad. there goes my whole day. 
Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and so in, in SLA, do they call it sobriety or do they have a different word for they it? They do call it sobriety, but it's like different for everybody since everyone has like different, different, thing, different yeah. things. So you um, come up with what's called bottom lines. And so like my bottom lines, like my very first one was like no contact with your ex. Mm-hmm. Um, no dating, no flirting, no text flirting, no flirting with guys when you're out, no checking your ex's social media, no sex, no masturbation, you know. You know. The masturbation one seems so unreasonable. That was the hardest one for me, but I knew I needed to do it <laughs> yeah. because I had realized that I had like masturbated compulsively since I was like four or five. Oh, that you were, you were one of those early. I I remember being eighteen with my first ever girlfriend, mm-hmm. and we were we were doing like that second date. We stay up till five a.m. playing right. the question game. And I remember like uh, masturbation comes up, and she said, "Yeah, I think I was like four or five or whatever," and I would like hump the pillow. I'm like. Four or five? Because, like, for dudes, like, our dicks aren't even really working enough <laughs> to masturbate at four or five. Like, we have to wait. Uh. Um, what, what, what's your earliest sexual memory in, in that sense? Like, I guess, obviously, like, back then, you don't know it's sexual. Like, you know, if someone humps a pillow, it's like, oh, I just, this feels good. Yeah, I think for me, it was an accident because we had, like, this massager at home. And, like, I was just... The, the one? No, it was okay. like a big, I mean, it was the 80s, so it was like this giant, like, brick of a metal <laughs> massager. Okay. And I was playing video games, but then, like, at some point, I, like, put it in between my legs to play video games, and then, like, something was happening down there, and I was like, holy shit, what is this? And I'm going to do this all the time. Oh, my, and did your parents, like, ever catch you doing My it? brother actually caught me, and, like, he was like, don't do that. And then I never saw the, I didn't know where the massager was after that. It got hidden. But I figured it out. It got I hidden like next out. to the Christmas presents. They were like, <laughs> where's our best location? I figured out other ways, so. What was, the, what was the family attitude towards sexuality? Was it an open household? Did never, you get like a talk? No or? one ever talked about anything. No one ever expressed feelings. Um, I didn't get a talk about sex. The only thing I got was my mom at some point said, don't have sex because if you do, I'll be able to tell by the way you walk. And at that point, I was already having sex. So I was like, whatever. Yeah, like, I'm walking just fine. <laughs> but clearly, there's some good sex out there that makes you walk funny. I got to go find that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, no. It was it was very uh, weird growing up because my dad definitely had an obvious, like, sex addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't talked about. And uh, it's kind of... Uh, Covert kind of sexual abuse because, you know, my garage growing up was covered top to bottom, wall to wall in like Playboy and Penthouse Centerfolds. Like in the movie? Even much worse. Even more, worse I remember, that, I yeah. remember showing up to that day for that scene and I was like, it was much worse than this. Yeah. We need more pictures. <laughs> Does anyone have some more porn? Does anyone you know, know where to buy a it magazine? It was really hard to get porn because you had to get it cleared. Like from. Oh, from like whatever. And porn. nobody wanted to let us use it for a movie about this. So. Well, so you guys would have to like call Hustler or whatever and be like, can yeah, we Hustler have Hustler was actually who let us use their stuff. Wow. But in real life, it was like Playboy and Penthouse and you know, all over the house and like my my dad always pointing out women, my dad always looking at women, my dad, um, you know, getting porn for him with my mom. Like it was just really like no boundaries. And so, you know, when you're little and you see porn, you know, that early on, because I would watch the porn, um, it's very traumatic and damaging to your mind and like fucks you up. So a lot of people that I've met through the program have similar stories of being exposed to porn very young. And so... I think part of my message is like trying to 
stop that so that kids don't fuck themselves up. Have you ever had the confrontation with the dad since then about that ever, like since getting, you know, clean or whatever? Um, no, he passed away in 2006. Okay. Um, so I've definitely like talked to him like on the other side of like, sure. you know, um, but yeah. That's wild. Uh, and so sobriety, which, which is weird because in GA they call it abstinence, which I'm like, isn't mm-hmm. that supposed to be y'all's word? Um, mm-hmm. but how long have you been sober for? I mean, ever since that, day I almost killed myself that was January 2015 I haven't had any like big acting outs or anything Mm -hmm. you know they call it act outs they don't call it relapses right I mean they go both ways but like you know it's really interesting in that program because you know people act out in different ways and sobriety means different things and so I probably had a few slips in terms of like, oh, I checked his social media or, you know, there there was one time like after the nine months I contacted my ex again. Mm -hmm. But no like super self-destructive acting out has happened in a very long time for me. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And now you can like enjoy healthy relationships, it seems. Yeah. You got one of those those boyfriend things? I have a boyfriend. (laughs) It's been two and a half years. We did it on the dating plan. So in the program, once you're ready to date, you go on a dating plan. And, uh, that, that was, that was, that was so crazy. It was hard to do. Well, and what is the dating plan? Um, Or I guess, I guess it sounds like it's individual to people. So like, what was your... It is. So you write it for, yeah. For me, it's essentially about going really slow before I, you know, call this person my boyfriend or have sex. So in my plan, the first month you go on day dates Uh once a week, um, and sober, so that was crazy for me. And you, you don't, you don't do anything physical. You're like meeting this person as a friend and getting to know them. So I remember my very first sober date, I came home, I called my mentors and I was crying in the fetal position. I was like, I never want to do that ever again. Because, you know, before this, all I did was hook up with guys immediately. And I was always like drunk and all my boyfriends were just one night stands that stuck. Yeah. So I had no dating experience. I didn't know how to be on a date and talk to somebody yeah. in broad daylight. Also, how do you know they love you if they don't put your, their exactly. dick in you? It's like. Exactly. It's so crazy. And the pain that I felt from that kind of intimacy of just being in broad daylight sober with a stranger was like, whew, that was hard. That could. That could be hard for anyone, because like, I assume no physical contact means no kissing, too. No, yeah, nothing. <laughs> and that's like the mind fuck for me, because if I'm on a date, like I, like I don't fuck on first dates usually. Mm-hmm. That's like more my thing. Impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I it's really practical. Part of it is that, like, well, let's fool around. Like, oh, like I'll still go down on you, but it's like let me learn how your body works, because then when we hook up the next time, if we want to fuck, I will have some cheat codes. I will have done some research. But if I just barrel in now, like who knows if that's going to be good. Yeah. Um, so, but if I, so my goal is always to make out. Like if I can get, if we make out, like great. I love making out. It's my like second favorite thing to do. But if we don't like kiss at the end of the day at all, then it's, I, I leave just being like, I don't know if she was into that. Mm. Like, does she want to go out again? Yeah. No idea. Yeah. 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 It was really good for me to do that because, um, you don't kiss until month two. And that's after. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> two months of kissing? How long till hand holding? What's going on? Uh, you can hand hold after that first month. But. So it's still a month before hand holding. Any physical thing. Yeah. 
But it's one date a week, so it's four dates sure. until that. It was the most fulfilling, important thing I've ever done in my life. Because that first kiss that I had with my boyfriend was the most mind-blowing kiss oh. I've ever had. It felt like an explosion just because I've never even had like a sober first date, uh, kiss, you know. So it was very meaningful. And, um, you know, you're building up the energy. And that's actually like what Tantra is, is like mm -hmm. building up energy. So you're kind of learning how to take your time and like the... Um, rewards are very fulfilling and so we didn't have sex until three and a half months in sure when we were really ready um but it was cool with these dates before i met my boyfriend because i was able like on the second or third date decide i don't really like this person and then walk away without having sex with them which was insane to me because i'd never done that before so you're like i don't have to fuck him if i <laughs> because if usually when it. i would have sex with them immediately then all the chemicals go off i think i'm in love with this person and then i'm obsessed with them for the next year and a half mm -hmm. what's interesting is like you know you, you describe that first kiss it's like do you leave from that first kiss almost worried because like oh no these were similar buzzy vibes from before and is this something i need to be um, no, you know, it felt of. good because it was so healthy. It yeah. felt healthy because by this time, I know this person. I like this person. They're my friend. I respect them. Sure. Like we're being honest. Like, but is your left brain telling you that this is a healthy kiss because of those things? Uh, like, I just can imagine it's like, let's pretend that like, I had been is steeped in some sort of addiction for a long time. Right. Quit that. Yeah. Let's say then I find stand up yeah. and I go on stage. I feel the same, like a big explosion, yeah. not dissimilar to the buzz I got when yeah, I was doing yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I can imagine like there could almost be a worry of like, fuck, is this bad? Because this was like this. It feels, the feels are the same. Right. So there's like the left brain have to kick in to, tell you that or you know does what? it feel like does, does it, it felt, really feel different it really did feel different which is surprising but because you know what the the addiction part kind of goes away for me if that feeling went away because i was healthy and conscious like what my experiences with my addiction was that as i was learning how to love myself and fill that void myself i'm not relying on somebody else to fill that void anymore mm. and so I'm not even getting that high from an unavailable person anymore. It's like really actually true intimacy where I really know this person and we've had conversations and we're, we're intimate that way, emotionally intimate. And like, it's almost, it's even hard for an addict too, because it almost feels you kind of get avoidant at first too, because it's too much. Cause you, I'm just used to like having sex with people I don't know. Mm. So when it's someone I do know, it's completely different. That's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. One of the things I liked in the movie was how the, um, is weird because I, I walked in here. I was like, I'm not going to just come in and just tell them like what, what I liked about the movie. And whatnot. But I was like, <laughs> this is what I thought was fun was that there's a, like in the beginning of the recovery process, you're like trying to find other things to do. Yeah. So I, like at one point you're knitting. I'm like, oh, she's like knit purling very well. That's her. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't miss a stitch at all. Um, it's like, you're just like trying to like, well, what does one do if we're not like jerking off or fucking people right. or looking for the people to fuck? Yeah. That was a big, shocked me when I got sober of like the replacement of like, what do I do now? I mm -hmm. didn't know who I was. I didn't even know what I liked to do. Like before then I was always trying to be whatever guy I thought like he wanted. So I didn't know who I was. And I remember making a list of everything that I wanted to try to like explore. And like, so I ended up going to puppet school <laughs> Sure. And that not? was a great decision. <laughs> that was an awesome decision because I got to like make a puppet and like do puppeteering. Um, 
and, you know, explore all kinds of things. Exercise is a big thing for me, like Pilates, yoga, hiking. I was like fit for the first time in my life in like a real way and not like a bullshit way. Mm -hmm. Um, and writing was big for me. And that's why I, you know, wrote a pilot based on my experiences. And that's what I sent to Mark Duplass where he said, I'm going to make a movie out of this. Mm That's fantastic. Yeah. What was it like finally putting those things down on paper? Like how long into your recovery are you putting it on paper or computer, whatever? Well, <laughs> I started writing that pilot in like October 2014. Okay. So you had been like about a year or so? No, that no. was actually two months in. Oh, two months in. Okay. And yeah. that was even before I almost killed myself. So I wasn't even taking it that seriously. That was before yet. you went back yeah. into things. Yeah. Yeah, because like, well, I went to a meeting like, hey, we can make this a pilot. You know, we could. No, uh, well, we I could, was, I was doing we, it. We could pitch. I was this. trying to save yeah. the relationship, so sure. I was going every day at that point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. And I thought, I mean, the whole thought of like, what am I without the sex is uh, so relatable for at least me, but in a different way because as someone who like, I don't, I mean, I don't identify as a mm-hmm. sex and love addict. <laughs> You know, like there is the concept of identity without this big thing. Like, I mean, for me, like my identity is like, yeah, like if you Google my name, like the word man whore pops up on the front page. Like there's almost like I think people think I'm fucking more than I do. Mm. And then sometimes I have to think like, should I should I be should I be doing more? I should be on Reddit more picking mm. up people. I should do I should get back to Craigslist. It's like, oh, can't do Craigslist, Foster Sesta. But still, mm. um, Stuff like what happens if I just like take that out and now I got to f- fill this void. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is actually anytime like I was, didn't know why I was seeking something out was like, oh, I should just not do this. Cause like, I don't even know why I want to fuck this person. Mm. Maybe I don't want to. Right. That was a big part of my recovery because, you know, since when I was very little, I had already created that story for myself of, oh, that's what a woman, an ideal woman is, and I want to be that woman that my dad is obsessed with, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be that woman. I carry that story for most of my life of, like, that's my value is sex. Mm -hmm. And that's all men want from me, and that's all I'm good for. And so to get sober and then tap into my creativity and my gifts and, you know, make this movie and help a lot of people. Like that was a big healing for me because I realized I actually do have value more than sex. Was it triggering to act in the movie as yourself in a diff- in that downtime? There were a couple of days I was triggered by some of the sex scenes and I, you know, cried and hyperventilated and needed to step off. Mm-hmm. But every time I took a deep breath and remembered why I was doing this, it helped me get through it. Is that a thing like to, like you're telling the crew be like, or like someone's telling the crew like, look, this one's going to be a rough day for Charlene. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, this must be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The, I, I don't want to say what the rock bomb sex act scene was, but like, was that like one of those days? That's the um, one that comes to mind. Um, No, it was actually uh like one of the bar scenes. Uh-huh. And then even like the very short clips that you see in the beginning, because it's just like, not being able to get the shot or, you know, I think when we did even like those quick sex scenes in the beginning, in those little clips, um, those were like a whole year later for additional um, shots that we needed to get. Mm. And uh, I ended up getting triggered because during that time, I was, you know, in therapy, I was like working on like 
my sexual trauma and stuff that I was like facing for the first time. So like to shoot that and like have still some strangers like naked body on my skin. Like I just like hyperventilated and started crying. And and so when you step away, like what's the process to get back to a good space? Leaving the room and taking Mm -hmm. a breath and like breathing and like actually like letting myself cry and get it out. Mm -hmm. I've definitely learned that from recovery is just like, since so much of it for me was feeling feelings for the first time, it's like letting myself cry and just let it pass through because it's harder to just stuff it in and then you're on yeah. edge. So like you and makeup department were like really close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, oh, sweetie, come here. Let's some things. That's cool. And, and so, you know, when you, how'd you meet the boyfriend? You know, we were acquaintances for a while because we had met doing improv which is, and we never thought much of each other. Like, I actually thought he was kind of an asshole, and I think he thought the same of me, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Wait, are you also an asshole? Oh, <laughs> I mean, hello, kindred spirit. What's going no, on? No, yeah, because I feel like, yeah, the the moment I even actually met him was like, we were, you know, in the same show with different teams, but I whispered to someone like, I was like, what a fucking asshole. But he said that what he was thinking of me was just like, I was just some like drunk bitch, which I was. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so we eventually reconnected at some point um, because I was starting to come out with my story and um, he was starting to talk about his because he has similar issues and very similar um, childhood trauma too. Um, and so we connected on that very deeply. And the more we got to know each other, the more we realized we needed the same things because like I was just starting the dating plan and going out with these few guys and he was like trying to find a girl that didn't want to have sex right away, which is like hard to find, especially like on dating apps and stuff. So you were on apps. No, I wasn't. Okay. 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 Um, he was. Yeah. But so we started the dating plan and I mean, we hit it off like right away. There was just some kind of connection there that was, you know, undeniable. Um, I think because of our similar histories uh, we could understand and get each other without judgment, you know? Sure. I can't imagine being like uh, doing improv and being a sex act because Jesus, it's, I mean, it's already an incestuous community. I almost feel like they is. go hand in hand. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like, I see, I have not had sex with a lot of comedians. Um, and I find that like, I don't fit in. I'm just like, every, wait, you're all fucking each other. Did I not get invited? What happened? Uh, yeah. Um, it's a wild community where it's like, just a bunch of like vaguely sad people who hang out and drink. And then I feel like there's like, a lot do? of we- trauma and comedy. And I think it goes hand in hand ah. because, you know, I want to be seen and heard and loved. Did you see the, um, I mean, and uh, the answer is probably no, cause like no one saw it. Um, <laughs> Kevin Pollack did a documentary called misery loves comedy. I and it was, uh, it. it was like, it's fine. Uh, no one did. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was at a uh, Tribeca. I saw it at Tribeca film festival. And then like, I think that's the last I heard of it, but I thought it was phenomenal and explored that question of the, I think, he, well, he started it as like, do you have to be miserable to be calm, do comedy? But as he, he made the doc, he realized like, oh, there's a bigger question here. He's like, comedy is a career of, hey, hey, look at me. Yeah. And he's like, who chooses, hey, hey, look at me as a career? Absolutely. And, uh, and that's just all it is. And it's just yeah. like, talking to all these big comics about like just being sad and the camaraderie of that. Yeah. Uh. So many comedians i i've met that have 
had pretty bad trauma in their yeah. childhood. So you were like a sketch improv gal for a while? I you was. A I or? was. And then what's interesting is that once I started taking care of myself, I had no desire to do that anymore. Really? And I think it's because I was like finally living in my truth, as cheesy as that sounds. I just wanted to do real things after that. Okay. Yeah. Real. What, what's what's realer than comedy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to keep doing comedy, but it's maybe good thing in a more I don't real way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, no, but no, tell me a little more about that, about like just stopping. Because like <clears throat> we all, whether it's actually a dream or a dream we've tricked ourselves in the thinking we have, I mean, a lot of people are in some sort of comedic form thinking like, no, I'm doing this thing. And then like to stop it. Like that's a terrifying concept to me of this. Mm-hmm. Like if you put yourself so much into this performance – where like you, it becomes an identity. You're going to the office saying like, I'm a comedian. Oh, I'm doing, can you come to my show? Um, and then just you stop and then you go back to the office like, Hey, you got another show coming? It's like, uh, I, I quit. Um, it's like, that's a terrifying concept to me. Oh, really? It's like, how do you quit? It's exciting for me because I got to go and do what I really wanted to do and I really wanted to make movies. Make movies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I feel like, like the sketch improv people like, uh, want to make the movies too. No. Yeah. I know, and but and you're the, just like you don't need the the group aspect. I just <laughs> honestly, I I didn't love it. I sure. didn't love it. I didn't love it. So I was like, I don't. And I think for a long time I was trying to love it as much as my teammates, you know. And it, it bummed me out that I didn't. And at some point, I was just like, you know what? Life's short. You should be doing what you wanted to. Sure. Did you pick up any other new hot like? Uh, so obviously, like you got into writing the movie in recovery, but as like you took sex out of the equation for a while. It's like, did you find, did like, like the kind of like, did you try some different stuff and then found new hobbies? Like, like, like the puppets. Or they're like the puppets. Like, did you find more stuff like that? Like, yeah, I mean, I got super into like Pilates, like super into it. Like, does I that have love- to do with recovery or just being like a gal in Los Angeles? I'm well, like, <laughs> I think it's definitely a gal in Los Angeles, but I never did things for myself before or took care of myself in that way before. So, to start that and realize, like, oh my god, I love Pilates. Like, I love it. I love exercising. <laughs> hey, we are the Airsys Podcast. Not everybody has friends they can talk to about sex. Fortunately, we do. So our sexual liberation is yours, baby. A bi-monthly sex and relationships podcast by the women of porn and their curious friends. Who better to uncover sexual politics with a side of butt jokes? We dish our stories and ask famous folk and experts to share theirs for frank, intelligent discussions of sex in society, the sheets, or wherever you like it. So whether you want to laugh, communicate better with your partner, learn to choke your partner, or understand why people are into that thing... You can sit with us. If you want to learn more about the Erstis podcast, check out our website, www.erstis podcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at Erstis Podcast. Catch new episodes or search for your favorites on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen. And don't forget to subscribe. Now, sex addiction is like, uh, is something that's been i think since tiger woods uh been like a thing more in the media mm-hmm. and there's people who will get caught for big infidelity and then they'd yeah. be like no i'm a sex addict right and then the this debate of like one is are these people and most of the times dudes like are they actually sex addicts or just copping out with that so they right. can go to a rehab for yeah. pr reasons or uh and then the other question being like is sex addiction an addiction or like or is it as common as 
like people are claiming it. I think, yeah, it, it's it's tough and it's hard with all the stigma and how it's been portrayed in the media because it has been very almost glamorized and like exaggerated and like you only hear it about when a man has got like caught cheating and stuff like that and it's like there's just so many areas of this and that's why I wanted to make this movie because I wanted to bring awareness to sex and love addiction. Mm, that's- sex and love addiction is so much different because there's all this attachment and dependency involved and that's very common. Mm-hmm. And with in regards to sex addiction being an addiction, I honestly think you can get addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. And it's an addiction when it destroys your life. And there are people that can, you know, Go out and hook up with as many people as they want and like, you know, feel empowered by it. And that's great. I can only be the expert of my own experience. And my experience, it destroyed my life, you know. So I think that um, addiction in all areas, I hope one day will be honored as a real thing because so many people are addicts. For sure. Yeah. I just, we don't talk about the things that they're addicted to. Right. We don't even talk about the big popular ones. You it know, could be anything. Drugs, cigarettes, yeah. alcohol. And, yeah. you know, we don't talk about the other ones. That, oh, fuck. You, uh, maybe you can relate this so hard. Uh, <laughs> it, this has been hard for me to describe. Here's the thing I have with triggers, okay? Mm-hmm. Who gets to make the list of the triggers that we have to respect when we're talking about trigger warnings? I'm mm. not against the concept of it, but mm. I would like a list uh. because... Because there's all kinds of triggers. Right. Um, Obviously, like if an article is talking about sexual assault, there's certain outlets that they'll put the trigger before. But like someone could have been assaulted in a specific space and like maybe an object in that room is what triggers them all the time. It could be a Mm -hmm. fire hydrant that Mm -hmm. they were bent over. We don't respect that trigger. Like that's not the one. Or like for me as as a gambler, like I Mm -hmm. when I'm driving on the highway, I see the casino billboards. No one gives a fuck about my trigger. Wow, and that's yeah. a little bit of why like I have a problem with that whole right. movement of thing because no, like no yeah. one, no one cares about mine. No one's going to put like yeah. hey by the way like this movie's going to have this, this NCIS scene they're yeah. going to have a scene where they talk to the dealer yeah. for like you know 3 minutes. No, yeah. And sex and love addicts. Yeah. Holy shit. There's is a it lot just, to be thing, things to be triggered by. It's like 60% of all fucking media. I'd you know, see it's like, like, everything. I, I, I used it's like to, everything. When I was early in my recovery, I'd see like a teenage couple like making out and I'd like cry. Yeah. Or you just <laughs> see a billboard or a poster for like almost any movie or TV almost show. Almost anything. Yeah. All TV. Music was so triggering. Yeah. Cause all, Death what, Cab for Cutie would play and I'd like want to kill myself. Well, that's what you get for <laughs> listening to Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, that's, that's more of a taste thing. <laughs> But yeah, like it's, it's so to, to have one of these, uh, we'll call them not the big three, you know, sure. uh, it's not cigarettes, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol. Yeah. Underneath them, there are these other ones, um, you know, whether it's, it's unhealthy eating patterns mm-hmm. and exercise or if it's sex and love or if it's gambling, mm-hmm. there are these other ones that are like, like marginalized. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel when you walk down and you're triggered by a thing and you know, you can't like complain to someone cause they're gonna be like, well, you got to deal with that. Exactly. Well, that's what I think is so hard about it is that we all have such different triggers, you know? Um, and I feel like we can't possibly protect everybody from everything. But the way that I've looked at triggers is that triggers are gifts, actually, because they, you know, bring up for you what needs to be healed. So I've had very big healings through getting triggered. So now every time I even get very triggered, I know that there's something that needs to be healed. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about like the whole putting trigger warnings in like articles and such? I mean, I think it's respectful Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you're only ready to face it when you are. And so you definitely 
people who are, are too triggered need to take care of themselves first and foremost. Um, but you know, we aren't going to be able to take care of everybody. Cause like you said, you know, you have your own and like who else has their own triggers and it's yeah. like, Everything's triggering. I just felt like the whole, like, you know, if you're reading an article and there's something that's going to trigger you, like, you don't need the warning. Like, the, the no, you know, when you need to stop reading it, when you get to the part where right. that happens and you're like, I'm going to stop reading it. Yeah. Like, you're still reading the word, you know, if the, if it's an article about anorexia, like, you're going to see anorexia, the word anorexia in the, in the trigger warning. You're going to see it like three paragraphs in. Right. Either way, like, you're seeing the thing. What? Yeah. You're going to save the person three paragraphs of reading time? Yeah. Um, and it's just weird when – and I just like – I don't like that it puts a hierarchy on trauma. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So it's like these trauma yeah. – these traumatic incidents are more important than whatever your trauma is because I'm like I see a, a casino billboard and sometimes want to veer the steering wheel hard right off to wherever that barrier goes mm-hmm. to uh, and just be like that's going to be easier. But I have to be in, but no one cares. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like one of those comics who are like, fuck trigger warnings. These bitches just got to deal with it. I'm just like, no, it's just like, it's, you're really ranking what's important for this culture. And it's like, who determined that? Some bloggers. And I'm like, mm. they shouldn't get to determine anything. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The way that I just positively look at it is just like, we're trying our best. <laughs> there's that's well intentioned and you know consciousness is constantly moving and like this is where consciousness is right now you know but it wasn't that long ago when like you know it was okay to just like smoke on an airplane and and be pregnant and like that wasn't a thing you know so it's like our awareness <laughs> you know the good old days seriously <laughs> like it, that's why it's like I, it's interesting to see how consciousness constantly moves because even you know last night it was halloween and i was watching hocus pocus and it was like, classic. it blew my mind because like a hundred percent of the people on screen are all white. And it's just like interesting how that was made in the nineties, but there wasn't even that consciousness yet of like, oh, diversity is an important thing. Representation is an, uh, an important thing. So it's just like wherever we're at, that, that, that's where we're at and it'll keep moving forward. Did you serve as a producer on the film or just writer and star? Just co-writer and co-writer. star. Yeah. Okay. Who'd you, who'd you co-write with? Uh, Sarah Adina Smith and Mark Duplass. Okay. Okay. And like, did, so did you, what, what, how important, I mean, I, I would imagine that like having a diverse cast was important to you, but like mm-hmm. how much say did you have? And I would say that the, you know, like the boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend is, is black. And then there were some other people like, it, it felt like a fairly white cast. Mm-hmm. And like, and how, how did that cast? feel for you? Yeah. The main cast. How, yeah. how did that feel well, for I you? did my best to put as much diversity in there as I could. Um, cause diversity is really important to me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but you know, we, so you don't want people to go to like twenty years after like with Hocus Pocus, look at your movie and be like, "That was a really white movie." Yeah, the, you know? the star's Filipino American, and that's like we've never seen that before. So that's kind well, that's fantastic. I mean, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but like, uh, you know, did you did, do you like throw in because? Uh, like, do you throw in, like, to the, pre- like, are you trying to suggest things to the casting? Are you throwing people that you've worked with in the past trying to be like, hey, no, can you yeah. get, I mean, get some we, of this? We, all, we cast that mostly on our own. So, you know, getting John and Melissa. Um, Who are fantastic. Yeah. So when they signed on, like, you can't say no to that. That was oh, pretty sure. awesome. Um, but Paul James, who played my ex-boyfriend, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had some other friends in there, too. They were all people we knew. Okay. Yeah. How, how'd you feel watching Hocus Pocus and seeing <laughs> just all white people and, and no one who looked vaguely like you? It was just mind blowing because that was in the 90s, which wasn't that long ago. And like realizing, you know, 
that that wasn't a thing yet. Like we weren't conscious of that yet. That wasn't a thing. So it's cool to see how consciousness moves and like now that the, there's this better awareness of it. Mm-hmm. Did I ever have like uh, in your younger years as a performer? Because you've been acting for a long time, right? Like- yeah, I mean, I was a dancer when I was growing up and, you know, did school plays and stuff. Was there ever, did you, did, was there anything in your mind about like whether or not you were, what things you were allowed to achieve based off that? Like, did, was. Oh, absolutely. Um, I never saw anybody who looked like me. So I was like, oh, so I can't be a star. Mm. Um, but I think at some point I decided that I was going to try to be that person. And you are that person. <laughs> yeah. What was like, what, I mean, was there like an early, what was like the first representation you saw where you like felt like, oh, that was like, yeah, I could, I could have been, I could have been that movie too because I saw so and so in it. Well, when I saw Hook and Dante Bosco played Rufio, <sighs> that was the first time seeing that. That was a big deal for Filipino kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know he was Filipino. That's yeah. look how bad I am. No, uh, I mean we don't know, but so like that was like wow, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was the, a big deal. Oh, like Rufio poster in the, in the bedroom. <laughs> oh man, he was the best. Oh fuck, uh, I get nervous watching a movie like that though. Like now, because I'm like, but what if it's not actually good? <laughs> you know, still it's like, good. It is does it good? Hold it holds up. up. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like the biggest fucking. I have a friend. I love that movie. My friend Celie, she does a show. She does a podcast called Still Got It, which is just that's the premise to go back to watch those movies. And like, she, I'm like, you're so brave because I do not want to face it. I want to imagine Little Giants just the way I remember it. <laughs> I don't want to think about I it. I like that movie. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's good, but now what what are you working on now? I mean, obviously, like you got the movie, and you're promoting the movie, but like, are you working on other things? Yeah, um, I'm working on a book right now. Okay, um, and I'm actually starting to get into directing, so I'm about to direct a project that I can't talk about yet, but very excited because it's my first time directing. Killer! Is it also in the same realm of relationships, love, addiction? Maybe it's actually a lot different. So yeah, it'll make sense once you guys see it, but. For sure, yeah. for sure. That's fantastic. And uh, Charlene, where can people go find you on the internet and uh, where in, in the movie? Uh, it's also going to be in streaming soon, if yes, I remember correctly. Yes, it's streaming on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vudu, and Microsoft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the movie is called Unlovable. The movie is called Unlovable. If you post about it, hashtag Unlovable Movie. We got to get the word out. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Charstarlene, and I'm also on Instagram and everything else. Fantastic. Well, Charlene, thanks so much for uh, chatting with me. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Bye. That's a really long bye. That's very impressive. You're going to get in the diaphragm with that one. <laughs> Addiction is a funny thing uh, to, to open up about, let alone make a movie on. So go check out Unlovable in theaters near you or on your favorite streaming service like iTunes or Amazon. Go follow Charlene de Guzman on social media and also go follow my co-host for this week, Matt Slayer and his podcast. And now we drink. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Billy Uh, Say hello. Say what you thought about this week's show and use the hashtag man podcast. Of course, you can always send me your comments, your questions, eh, your booby pictures, you know, your, your whatever's clever, to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Did you know we got merch? Yes, we have merch. We got buttons. We got panties. We got t-shirts. We all got all sorts of fun stuff. Go get yourself a piece of the Man Whore Madness at gumroad.com slash podcast. 
Uh, today is election day as I am recording this outro, so I hope you're all out there voting and voting blue, because that's the sex-positive way to do it, at least for now. Going to have a great show next week. I hope you all are going to be here to listen to it. And until then, everybody, stay slutty. (laughs) 